0: Crush, the podcast, episode 94. It's a beautiful time here in Sacramento, California. And I uh, just spent the day in San Francisco, actually. There's this awesome annual uh, three-day weekend concert they've got called Hardly Strictly Bluegrass. And if you go to com and just take a look at the lineup of people that you could see for free, absolutely free, this guy, uh, Mr. Hillman, who runs the Hillman's Manny's company puts it on because he's such a big bluegrass and roots music fan. And, uh, man, this thing was great. I couldn't go Friday where Elvis Costello was playing and was joined later by, a uh, Gillian Welch and Emmy Lou Harris. But today I got to see, uh, Gillian Welch and, uh, Steve Earle and some other people that I can't think of off the top of my head Uh, but Todd Snyder uh, this guy I'd never heard of before he's been recording since the 80s but just an incredibly funny uh, great musician Um, I mean I I could the stuff he does in between his songs it's almost like just the greatest stand-up comedy in fact I'd I'd really say his uh, music's a mixture of uh, maybe Mitch Hedgeberg meets John Prine and Boy, if you know who those two people are, you're pretty damn cool, in my book there. But uh, it's just been a great time lately. I wanted to thank uh, everybody here for for the great time I've been having in my life and, and the podcast and and do in an, at least small part to to you guys there. Um, I continue to get great emails from you, rbarry at retrocrush dot com, uh, or, or where you can send those. Um, I put some Halloween prize packages together uh that that we were selling on the site for uh, 20 bucks a piece where you'd get pretty much a t-shirt and a bunch of really cool weird stuff uh maybe DVDs and music and halloween candy and whatnot and all kinds of other crazy things and um i couldn't believe that within like a week and a half period of time um, I sold so many of these things that I, I pretty much had to stop selling them because I ran out of stuff to put inside of them there. But, uh, you know, you guys really stepped up to help me out when I kind of needed some cash there. I'm going to Glasgow, Scotland uh, on the uh, 11th of October, and I'll be gone through the 18th. So hopefully I can get some interesting things to record for you and take pictures of over there. So... Um, this may be the last podcast uh, you're going to hear in the short term until maybe October 18th. So I wanted to make this one a good one. Um, had a great podcast last episode, I thought, because we interviewed Weird Al Yankovic. And it was a fun interview, episode 93, if you hadn't checked it out. Um, and if you haven't checked out Weird Al CD yet, um, straight out of Linwood, it's, it's just, it's really pretty damn good. Uh sometimes when I interview people and I've got to check out their recent work it seems like more of a chore but boy I was I was thrilled to be able to talk to Weird Al after hearing his recent album um and I think uh largely due to our interview with him his uh CD opened at number 10 uh in its debut week and that's the first top 10 album that Weird Al has ever had in his entire 25 year career so that's that's just great his uh song White and Nerdy is uh, certainly getting a lot of attention, and what's really great is when you buy his CD, you get a lot of bang for your buck. You, not, not only do you just get you know the, the music, but there's a, a lot of DVD stuff on there as well. So it's a really neat dual disc format thing for you there. So, but we've got another great interview for you lined up here. Um, not quite as great as it should have been because I made a mistake and screwed up, and and, and the last part of the audio disappeared um, I'm using this uh, pocket PC uh, digital assistant thing I've got excuse me it's a Toshiba E405 for you techno geeks out there and um, what what happens is you could put these memory cards in there and record larger amounts of audio on it And it's got this gorgeous microphone on it that actually picks up uh, a lot of different sound pretty well and um, so, if I'm, you know, if I, if I'm at home and I'm doing an interview, I'm going to use Skype, uh, which gives me digital recording on both sides for the most part. So, it, you know, this, like the Weird Al interview you heard was done th- using the Skype program. Um, but, uh, the interview I just, uh, had to do yesterday, um, I was kind of on the road. So, basically, I had to do this kind of an ad hoc thing where I took my cell phone and put it on speakerphone mode and then put this, uh, digital, recorder up next to it, um, pretty low-tech in some regards, but it actually came out pretty good. But the problem was, is instead of the one gigabyte, uh, um media storage card, the SD card that I normally have in there, um, I mistakenly had a 64 megabyte one that I had left over uh, in there instead, so I could only get about 30 total minutes of audio before I ran out of space. So... Who is this person that you may ask? Well, here's a clue of who that we are interviewing on today's podcast. Well, that's not a very good clue. That's for later in the show. Here's the here's your clue. Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school.
1: How can you teach such drivel? These people are here to learn, and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you- brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the six to twelve minute barrier. I've Paul brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox.
0: It was dead.
1: But lately they're getting on of pass. <laughs> and he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead.
0: Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. What are you thinking? How do you feel? Piece of reagent
1: being Once you wake up the dead, you've got a real mess on your hands. <laughs> Harvard, you're insane! Now what happened? I had to kill him! He's dead? Not anymore. Herbert West brought a lot of dead people back to life. And not one of them showed any appreciation. H. P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror. Reanimator. Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head get a job
0: in a sideshow?
1: scare you to pieces.
0: Yeah, I got to interview Jeffrey Combs from Reanimator, who played Dr. Herbert West in that film. And Jeffrey Combs has been in a lot of other films as well, which we'll talk about in the interviews. He was in The Frighteners that was directed by Peter Jackson and starred Michael J. Fox. Um, Tons of different cartoon voices. He's been in many different Star Trek shows. Um, Just an all-around really cool guy definitely a, a legendary cult actor um in the same vein as Bruce uh, Campbell as far as you know really beloved by his fans um and just a really uh, really really fun guy Th- there's this new uh, dvd that he's in um it's a straight to dvd movie called Blackwater Valley Exorcism and uh you know it, it's it's a direct to dvd horror film all right uh, it's, it's, uh, released by Lionsgate, and I believe it comes out October 17th, and I saw it, and, you know, it's, uh, I guess the best way I could describe it is sort of like, uh, The Exorcist set in Texas, and, uh, you know, there, there's, you know, it's your standard, uh, girl is possessed, and some people exercise, uh. The Demon Out of Her uh, movie, but there's some interesting twists in it. Uh, you know, it's it's not a particularly great film. You know, it's it's got some particularly lurid effects in it that that are kind of fun, and uh, the woman who plays the uh, possessed girl is uh, kind of sexy in a weird way. So I mean, there's there's some cheesy reasons to watch this film, but it's it's not particularly uh, great. I will say. Um, but uh you know to promote this the, I was uh, told that the cast was available for for interviews and one of them was uh they, they see in this movie that it was filmed under the supervision of traditional catholic bishop James Paetafor and he's available for interview and I looked at the cast and I saw that Jeffrey Combs was available and I thought wow man reanimators one of my favorite movies I, I'd ra- I'd so much rather talk to him and sure enough uh this uh last uh friday i i did talk to him and it was it was a lot of fun um, this is a phone interview like i said it's it's a cell phone uh speaker phone at the beginning so the it you could totally hear what he says but it's certainly not the best audio quality in the world but uh, i hope you'll forgive that and enjoy uh what we talk about here and um little bit of a of a splice mark where i have to put two parts of this together so one answer is missing a few words um, that I hope you'll forgive there. And then hopefully I can fill in the blanks with the missing audio at the end for you here. But without further ado, here is the Retro interview with Jeffrey Combs. Okay, so, um, got Jeffrey Combs here. And Jeffrey, uh, just saw, um, Blackwater Valley Exorcism. That's going to be released on DVD on October 17th, right? If you say so. <laughs> so, um,. I, I- Honestly, uh, right up front here,
1: I haven't
0: seen the movie. Wow. Well, now you're in um, a couple scenes of this movie, right? Basically, yeah, the, the yeah, beginning and uh,
1: the... you
0: can call me a sort of a cameo in this movie. Yeah, I, I, I was a little disappointed in that regard because your name's pretty prominent in the opening credits, and then uh, you're in an, uh, one. Of, you're pretty much in the, the bookend scenes of the film, I guess. It, it isn't that
1: sort of? Uh, uh, I, I was sort of a little. Um, you know, when I agreed to do it, um, I was uh, sort of surprised at at at, at that because I was concerned that fans might might uh, uh, you know take it out on me. <laughs> but uh, but you know, as it's turned out, uh, since we've done that movie, we just finished uh, principal photography in August for a sort of prequel sequel to this movie called Blackwater Valley uh, Serial Killer and so Blackwater Exorcism was kind of a stepping stone to uh, 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 to a storyline that that deals with my character in uh, quite a more substantial way so uh, you know there was a method to the madness here a little bit in the, laying
0: the on the groundwork for the next one. Yeah, because because your character, the the sheriff in this film, I mean, there's a scene at the beginning where he confronts this possessed girl, and it's the the the, the viewer is uh, revealed a scene where there's a, a pretty horrible past between him and the victim that sort of hinted at. But I mean, is it, do you think something like that's going to be kind of at the root of this prequel or
1: the prequel is actually a completely different. Uh, uh storyline it 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 doesn't deal with uh, uh you know the occult or paranormal or an exorcism in any way shape or form it's much more of a of a of a serial killer
0: uh you know in in our midst story uh-huh. uh and, and this was sort of uh, the, the brainchild
1: of Ethan Wiley who liked the idea and, and, and pitched the notion that he may try to make a series of movies with a common locale but standalone stories.
0: I like that. Yeah, you, you kinda saw that with some of Stephen King's work where so much of it takes place in Bangor, or Maine there. Right. Yeah. And so it's this mythical uh, nondescript probably somewhere in the
1: western United States Nevada, California, Arizona, New Mexico, you don't really know, uh,
0: Blackwater Valley. Yeah. And and the goings-on that that go on
1: there. And so, like, for instance, in the next movie, you know, my character is much more uh, prominent, uh, dealing with a serial killer and at the same time a re-election campaign. uh Uh-huh. Uh, And at the same time, a uh, a, a secret affair with my um, lovely young deputy, uh, all sort of,
0: you know, crashing into each other at the the same time. Uh
1: So it's really, uh, really much more juicy Uh, and, and a completely different tone, even though the same people are involved, same cinematographer same director same writer Uh uh, and a couple of the characters like the doctor the doctor is back in this he has a couple scenes in fact you know sort of the the doctor kind of does one of uh what i do in this in in exorcism you know he's kind of there for a couple of scenes oh that's cool so so it's really really a nice sort of um Dovetailing and the feathering in of like one story with another, and yet you get to find out who these people are, and and it actually takes place in theory before um, uh, Blackwater Valley Exorcism. So it's a, kind of a prequel.
0: It doesn't so, happen after that; it happens before. So it's going to be a pretty messed up town after all these movies are <laughs> out <down> here. <laughs> I got a kick out of the, all of the um, stuff associated with this film as far as, uh, you know, they used a real priest to supervise the exorcism scenes and using authentic exorcism rites, and, and at the beginning of the film, there's this big, based on an actual event, but it's right, not very really right. clear what that event that it's based on actually is. But it's a, it's a pretty uh, entertaining flick uh, to say the least. In that regard, I would imagine that Ethan probably read
1: something in a paper somewhere. I love the containment of it. You know that it's that it's an exorcism. Who, who would think of an exorcism out on a on
0: a isolated farm somewhere, as right. opposed to you know in a, in a city and.
1: And, and urban and and all of that it's, it's that, that, that to me was
0: really sort of an interesting little hook on this movie. Yeah and I also like the the flavor of having uh, the uh, possessed victim actually affecting many different people around her in different ways with you know getting into their head and and playing with them, playing with and, and, them. And, you know like, it's like the devil does he goes right to where your weakest
1: your weakest link is and then just twists and yeah. you're done So, uh, you know, that was sort of an interesting, you know, thing to come, you know, and and also for the audience, it keeps them really sort of entertained, because
0: characters come in and you see them and perceive them one way, and then as it progresses, you go, oh my God. Right. Skeletons in his closet, or she does,
1: oh man, everything is not quite what it seems. We
0: are all flawed. Exactly, nobody's uh, without that there. Hey, so, you, I, I noticed uh, on your uh, internet movie database listing, and sometimes you, these, anybody could put things on here, but, uh, um, Wizard of Gore. Um, yeah. Is, now, is this a remake of the Herschel Gordon Lewis film from the I, 60s? I would say it's a remake in terms of using the same title and the basic uh, uh, premise. Well, this looks like a pretty fun uh, project, I and mean, you got Crispin Glover also involved with it. Yeah, and uh...
1: and, and Brad Dourif and, and uh, a number of uh, really good, you know, newer generation of actors. And uh, and Jeremy Kasdan is a
0: terrific director. Uh huh. I've worked with him a couple of times before,
1: and uh, I, I just um, when I was on set, I just thought, you know, this could really pop. is really interesting I've never quite seen anything like this very there's sort of a you know underbelly of LA Fellini kind of feeling to this thing Uh, it's it's really really interesting I mean it's noir meets uh, subterranean urban macabre Uh, you know the whole premise of that movie is uh, that there are these underground performances by mm-hmm. this magician who everybody thinks he's uh snuffing or killing uh all volunteers from the audience. Right. And you come to find out that it's kind of uh, a, sort of a, a mass uh, a mass hypnosis of a kind.
0: Yeah, I, I like the idea of remaking this film because, you know, like, the, granted, Hollywood's definitely been horror film remake crazy as of late and, and in some cases they're, they're doing these sort of untouchable icons of horror film history and remaking them but and proving over and over again that leave it alone right but for something like The Wizard of Gore I, I, I think it actually is deserving of a remake because what you had with, with Herschel's original from the 60s was I, I think a, a lot of people agree it's a, a great concept that was just executed really badly well I, and that's, you know? you're exactly right and yeah. that's,
1: that's been my uh, that's been sort of uh, what with him I don't really know all of his movies very well but they always had a really interesting hook to them yes they just weren't executed uh, on a a level that would do that hook justice and so uh, it's really smart for Jeremy and Dan Gold the producer to attain the rights to to remake a few of these although the only one that they plan on doing is this one and giving it, giving it uh, the production value and scope that the original kernel idea deserves.
0: Yeah, that, that's it's really fun. I, I see uh, also on the, the old IMDb list here uh, there's announced uh, A House of Reanimator uh, in 2008. Yeah, they do that, don't they? I mean, there was a flurry <laughs> of
1: activity and talk between me and Brian and, and, and Stuart about that maybe a year or a year and a half ago, and it was Gonna get all sort of, uh, squared away and, uh, Brian felt fairly confident actually that, uh, you know, that he could get the, the financing for it. And then he turned around and went to a couple of, uh, film markets and, uh, curiously everybody kind of went, uh, uh-huh, um, got anything else? And he was sort of, what? You're you're kidding, right? Uh, I suspect uh, some of it may have to do with the premise of that one, because the House that we're talking about is the White House. (laughs) And so somebody is dead in the White House and can't be, and so Herbert is brought in. And and, uh, I think a lot of people are really wary of... uh,
0: Wow, that's a great action I was about to say where, where do you go with the reanimator concept but that certainly brings it to a, a a level that nobody really ever considered that's that's a pretty neat approach there yeah yeah that's a good one
1: uh, but uh, you know they're afraid I think probably that they'll split their audience or something you know
0: because you can't please everybody Wow, I mean but we're talking the horror genre. I mean it's it's uh Well we are, but we're also talking uh as far as this
1: this storyline, it's um let's put it this way, it's not particularly friendly
0: to the administration uh that we currently have. I suppose with that uh there's that film The Death of the President that they're trying to get released and that's certainly getting some difficulties, uh as well, where that it, it uh simulates a Bush assassination. Oh, well, that's a little tasteless. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, no matter what I feel, that's, uh, that's going way over the line. Yeah. So, um, you know, with all the um the stuff that you've done, you know, throughout your career, I mean, you've you've certainly done a a really fun mixture of genre work with science fiction and horror, and I mean, you could argue even Reanimators a, a blend of the two. Is there? Have you had more fun doing one genre versus the other, or is it just really depend on the project, really? Um,
1: you know, as far as being in a particular genre or doing more of one or the other, uh, you, you know, there is a, um, uh, how do I put this? There's a bit of a learning curve here for the layman out there. Uh, you know, th- there is this sort of Deep notion and it's been propagated by every actor that goes on a talk show yeah well I'm you know I don't know what I'm going to do next I've got four projects and uh, I've just got to decide you know most of the time for most actors that isn't reality reality is is that uh, you dance with
0: the one that brought you and right.
1: uh, if you're known for something then it perpetuates itself and so um, you know, I've been fortunate that I've gotten recognition in, in, in two genres. <laughs> Horror and sci-fi primarily. And, you know, my hope that as my career goes on that I'll be known and recognized in other genres and then it'll actually, gee, get to the
0: point where people will just say, wow, he's, he's a good actor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not he's- a good,
1: uh, uh, genre actor which uh, which limits you and, and uh, but at the same time within that limitation I have always tried, I truly don't I think they're really viable and exciting uh Or something, and 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 you're not allowed to use the salad bar or something. You know, <laughs> after a while, you kind of want to broaden your palate <laughs> somewhat. So, um, so uh,
0: I just kind of uh, use the situation to, to my advantage. Well, you've certainly had a wide variety of work uh, uh, through the uh, the years there, and. Uh, I know a lot of people are, myself included. I, I was really impressed with your uh, performance in Peter Jackson's *The Frighteners*. Was that was that a fun movie to work on? That was uh, pinnacle. That was uh, the, uh, one of the highest of the high points in my career. Uh huh. Um, to to uh,
1: it was the most uh, creative and collaborative. and he's uh, has has a complete understanding of what it is that he wants to do. He makes it seem effortless, uh, very uh, you know friendly and uh, wonderful sense of humor, real sense of ease, uh, and uh, and and all of that is infectious and makes everyone want to. Uh, their very best for him and with him so uh, uh, that was a, a, a wonderful uh, grouping there to, to do that movie and um, you know I'd love to work with him again but uh, he's in the stratosphere now you know but I can say that you know um, you know yeah I worked with Peter Jackson
0: Well yeah and you, and you certainly did a, a great job with that was it was it a lot of fun work with Michael J. Fox at the same time too? Oh yeah terrific. Well, Michael J. Fox is uh,
1: what, what you see is uh, what you get. There, uh, yeah. and really a uh, engaging guy and and, and really gifted. Uh, he, he's got a skill set that's phenomenal, and uh, you, you know, and uh, he wasn't aloof or or anything. He was a very very friendly guy. So yeah, we had a good working relationship. You know. But, uh, there was never a time when we like would just you know sort of hang out I do remember like sitting in his trailer and talking with him and stuff right but uh but, uh, but never any socializing or or anything like
0: that yeah a lot of people don't, people don't working, you know well yeah it's, that's the job part of it there I guess <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that the people after the film want to just go home and that's that sometimes you know yeah but, exactly yeah. it's a job and when you're done you want to decompress and get out of
1: there and not Necessarily, uh, uh, you know, keep going. <laughs> yeah, so um, it was good. It was really a thrill to work with him, and uh, I never knew why that movie didn't. Uh, well,
0: I know why that movie didn't do better because it was mishandled. Uh, was it the Mark? Department. They really didn't know.
1: They, they, they their their original plan was to put it out at Halloween, and then uh, they had a slot that. Came open in the summer, so they pushed up its release into uh, into the summertime, and it's not a summer release movie. Sure. And then, plus, Peter Jackson is so um, so unique in his in his approach to things, and the tone of that movie, you know, it starts one place and goes to a very dark place, and uh, the studio didn't know how to promote it they really didn't and so they kind of promoted it as a live action Casper
0: wow yeah
1: you you know hey go watch Michael J. Fox in a fun ha 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 movie so they promoted sort of the first half of the movie and that kind of split your audience because the true horror fan goes well that doesn't have any teeth yeah so they stay away plus it's in the summertime you know people are going to go to the lake or the beach or on vacation in the middle of July not go see a a very sort of um autumnal (laughs) moody spooky
0: leaves blowing in the wind kind of Halloween movie yeah that's funny well you know with um with Reanimator when you're making this film I mean probably I mean would you that's probably like your first like big project that you were involved in well well let's stop right there it was my first uh role but I would not say that it
1: was a big project because it was made for very little money and and in a very short period of time so it wasn't like a big budgeted
0: uh, wow we got all the time in the world uh, oh yes for certain but but as far as size of the role and opportunity to to, to, uh, you know create something uh, through the course of a film yeah you're right well, I guess where I was getting it was, while, while you're a part of this film, and I know sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the, the minutia of making the film and not really seeing the big picture of what that movie ends up being, but I mean, were you conscious of, uh, how just lurid and fun and crazy and potentially cult classic this thing could be, or was that no, just all a shock? No, after? No, no, not at all. No. Uh, in fact, I,
1: I sort of remember thinking, my God, this is a bloody mess. Uh, it's a cool role, though. And uh so I'll just get the, the experience uh in front of the camera, you know, just to sort of get a barometer of, like, you know, what this whole thing
0: is, because I haven't really done very much film. Uh-huh. And really, no one will ever see this film. Why do you think this film has such legs for so long.
1: I think it's because uh, uh a lot of happy accidents for lack of a better way of putting it. I mean, um, the fact that uh Stewart had a Stewart had a energy and a vision for it uh it's cast really well and I don't I mean from small roles to big roles uh the the uh editing is phenomenal. Mhm. I mean, they had the right editor in order to make strong choices because the original script, everybody sort of forgets this or they're just not aware of it. The original script, and I remember watching the first, like, uh, director's cut, was like two 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 and a half hours long. And there were a hell of a lot more scenes uh between the lovers uh Dan and Meg and what they were going through and and, and when, when when they wrote the script and when they filmed this movie, that really was the uh center focus of the story the, about what they were going through. I mean, if you look at the credits for that movie, uh I don't get first billing
0: right.
1: And and it wasn't because I had a bad agent. It was because when you read the script, uh, I was kind of a strong um, uh, supporting role. But the storyline wasn't completely and totally about me. There was a heck of a lot more screen time
0: between them. Right.
1: So, so you... my billing is like Ann Jeffrey Combs' Herbert West. Uh, as opposed to starring Jeffrey Cohn. Right. So uh, it gives you a clue as to the mindset at the time of, of you know, where the, um, where the story was.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So a lot of things were, uh, you know, decided and, and moved around uh, and, and tightened up in the editing process. Then there's the music, which is, uh, really, a, yet another, uh, happy accident because, uh, if Richard Bann hadn't decided to put his, you know, his, uh, writing pen definitely into his cheek mm-hmm. and, and send it up a little bit, then everybody wouldn't kind of catch on to the, uh, the sort of, uh, parody quality of, of, of that, uh, and, uh, fact that Bruce and I were really on the same wavelength and, and kind of made uh, quiet decisions to find a little bit of humor through our characters whenever we could, you know, it might not have been, all of that gore would have just sort of gotten to the point where people would have just been
0: uh, assaulted without any release, you know? Yeah, definitely the, the... decided, my recollection is Stewart was
1: making a serious film here okay uh-huh. that's my recollection this is not funny but we sort of thought it had to have some so we kind of placed it in there anyway and and so that was a that was sort
0: of a good thing its yeah, certainly the comedic elements of Reanimator are some of I the most well known uh, it's so I mean, absurd in its premise that it can't be taken completely and it's
1: it's operatic. I mean, it's huge. Uh, uh, every character has incredible story arcs. You know where they start and where they end.
0: Right. Just,
1: my God. Except for Herbert, who is consistent. Yeah. Nothing really knocks him off his pole. Uh, everybody else is just their lives are just destroyed, or their heads are gone, or they they've been you know lobotomized, or they're. Or, or Meg is dead And Dan's psyche is shattered at the end And, uh, corrupted And, uh, uh well, you know It's just it, it's, it's just, uh, party. <laughs> And, uh And it also has a, a Wonderful quality, that movie About, uh, uh A lot of the time you go to a movie And, uh, it's It's a passive observing And there's, there's no Sort of group, um through something together quality right and one of the magical things about Reanimator is that when an audience watches it together
0: uh, it's uh, participatory it's like theater yeah we showed uh, I'm involved with this uh, group here in Sacramento we have a a summer movie festival uh, called the Trash Film Orgy and we played uh, Reanimator a year or two ago and boy, just, you know, a midnight movie crowd watching that film, it's just one of the most fun experiences you could enjoy. Um, and you, you know. can, uh,
1: and you can, uh, lay that at the feet of Stuart Gordon. Because he came out of theater, this was his first movie. He knew all about sort of the uh, stops and pipes to hit to get an audience, you know, revved up and, and involved. Right. uh so many movies you go to you're just sitting there and you're watching it and it's rolling over you and when it's over you go and so where
0: are we going to eat So what what, what are it's some of your favorite uh with reAnimator Yeah yeah <laughs> you, I, might, you, so might you might want to eat this <laughs> <laughs> Let's go have some kielbasa yeah Yeah um hey, so what what are some of the films that that you like really enjoy and hold dear to you that that uh you know Non Jeffrey Combs films that that are just some of your all time favorites that you'd recommend to people. Well, well,
1: you know, I always sort of turn into a deer in the headlights when I get asked these questions because really the list is really long and very very
0: you know I because I love film and, and all kinds of film. Um, Any recent discoveries that you've really enjoyed watching? Well, you know the one that
1: uh, that I. I really uh, love that didn't get nearly the uh, the play that it, that I thought that it should have or the appreciation
0: was The New World. Oh yeah, with um, Colin Farrell. Yeah, well, Terrence Malick. I mean, Colin sure. Farrell is in it, but he's kind of bookended in the movie. I mean, he's at the beginning portion of the movie and then he comes back at the end. Well, Korianka Kilcher in that film who plays Pocahontas, we interviewed her uh, earlier in the year and boy, she she's just something else in that movie isn't she well she is that movie yeah. uh, and she's just the
1: heart and soul of that film and, and that time period is
0: uh, always fascinated me and that concludes uh, the audio of, uh, of the interview that we've got with Jeffrey Combs there um, really upset that, I, that I'm missing the third part of that B- basically we went on to talk about uh, Star Trek uh you know, he's been in uh, Deep Space Nine and uh, Enterprise, and he's played a lot of different parts, and we talked about um, the different parts that he's played and how fun it was to do that and um, particularly, we, we had a fun conversation about uh, an Andorian character that he played, which was the blue alien with the antenna and uh, a Ferengi character that he had played, in addition to one that was a clone, and um you know i had asked him you know between the ferengi and the andorian which was the most difficult makeup to deal with and um he he told some pretty funny stories about how confining the ferengi makeup was and how you know how ironic it was that this ferengi character has these giant ears but yet there's so much stuff on top of your own ears that you couldn't even hear anything and if it were this these fake teeth that would uh you know, leave you, uh, with this scarring in your mouth from having to wear these horribly large fake teeth over a period of time. And how much respect he had for Armin Shimmerman, who played Quark in Deep Space Nine every single episode. So it was just, a pretty, pretty interesting, uh, thing as well there. But, uh, definitely, uh, you know, fun interview, uh, with the man, a uh, really nice guy. And, and definitely check out Reanimator. If you've not seen Reanimator before, uh, that's definitely a, a must see in the, A little bit of comedy uh, mixed with the horror there. It's a lot of fun. Back uh, many episodes ago, we had uh, the Wuss Rock Challenge where we played 13 different clips from uh, wussy 70s rock and, and had a contest to see who could name them all. And to sort of jog your memory, here's all the clips there. Have it the Wish Rock Challenge, and uh, we. Uh, I, I actually am going to choose, uh, I think, five different winners here. I'm going to email them separately, but I'm going to talk about them right now. Um, we had several people get all but one right, and um, after uh, a few days, we actually had a, um, a user by the name of High Pockets, uh, a listener, excuse me, who, who uh, got all 12 of them right, all 13 of them right, and he. Uh, He writes Robert Berry, thank you so much for this great contest. A co worker and I lost a full day of productivity and I personally believe that listening to these song clips over and over have made my left nad shrizzle to the size of a raisin. I'm not even sure that the macho ness of Insane Clown Posse could bring it back to normal size. Okay, here's the list. Oh, and a metrosexual friend of mine wants to know the name of the collection is that you got these songs from. He calls it comfort music, music that takes you back to your childhood. Lying on your bed listening to AM radio while masturbating to the Super Faucet poster you have on your ceiling. Well, it is actually a FM Light, I think it's called. Um, and I, I found it at this discount uh, decorating store in this bin. So I've never seen this in actual stores here. But the tracks are uh, that that High Pockets got all 13 correct are uh, the first was Chicago's Just You and Me. Number two was Michael McDonald I Keep Forgetting. Number three Christopher Cross with Michael McDonald doing Ride Like the Wind. Four was America's Ventura Highway. Five was Seals and Croft's Diamond Girl. Six was Firefall, You Are the Woman. Seven was Tom Rudgren's uh, Hello, It's Me. Number eight was Robert John's Sad Eyes. Number nine was Orlean's Still the One. Ten was Leo Sayers, More Than I Can Say. Whoa, whoa, yay, yay. 11 was uh, an odd inclusion of Alice Cooper, Only Women Bleed. Number 12 was Nicolette Larson with A a Lot of Love. And 13, the final song of the clips was Little River Bands Reminiscing. High Pockets wraps up his mail with, Congratulations on your one-year anniversary. You do a kick-ass job. And uh, thanks again for the great contest, among some other things there. Um... So uh there's our official big winner. And uh Neva Reese was our actually our first to respond with most of them there. Only got one wrong. Um Neva got uh said that the number twelve was Love is the answer by Utopia instead of uh Nicolette Larson's a whole lot of love. But uh she writes uh this may be the most awesome quiz ever. I grew up on rock. On this kind of rock. My mother even had a Leo Sayer album. I forget the number, but I was floored that that number exceeded one. The, exclusion of Ride, the inclusion of Ride Like the Wind just makes it sweeter. My coworker loves this song and have made it a monthly mission to incorporate this song in some sort of prank. One month I put the chorus in the middle of a report I asked her to draft. Another, I made it an urgent fax. My favorite was compiling a 100-page file marked urgent and handing it to her. There's something about the song that captures our imaginations and hearts. Is it Christopher Cross? Is it Michael McDonald? Or is it wondering what ghastly crimes these two easy listening studs have committed that warrants them to drive their Lincoln Town Car to Mexico. This may warrant a voicemail from us. We even do the da 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 So rock on, Robert Berry. And, uh, Todd and Emily got a bunch of them right there as well. And, um, also writes, Todd writes, uh, I agree, Andrew Gold's Lonely Boy was pretty dopey, but I loved that song as a kid. It sounded passionate and seemed to be about something important, even if it didn't make any sense. By the way, do you remember that song, Heaven on the Seventh Floor? That was another favorite of mine from the 70s that doesn't get much play anymore and beat Aerosmith to the punch by about 20 years as far as Elevator 6 goes. Snarf Dude, I uh, got most all of them right. Uh, except for one. And, uh, then lastly, we have uh, Scott and Meg Ruish, who writes, uh, Congratulations on the one-year anniversary of Retro Crush. Kind of ironic. The first anniversary is traditionally commemorated with a paper gift, yet I email you instead of actually sitting down to write a letter. But enough of the sloppy sentiment. And here's her answers. Again, all but one of them correct. And um, happy to uh, send me uh, anniversary congrats always love to hear your uh, emails and voicemails as well. You can call us at 916-231-9480 and you can call, uh, email us at rbury at com. visit uh, the retrocrush.com website and last but not least you can always go to our MySpace uh, horror page uh, at myspace.com slash retrocrush well, that's about all the time we have for today. Um, hope you have a good day. Uh, we're gonna go to the pumpkin patch. You know, by the way, today is now the morning. I, I, up until this point it was, uh, the evening, but then I fell asleep. So now it's the morning. So, uh, in case you're wondering for you continuity, uh, buffs out there, th- there you go. So we're gonna go to Silver Bend Pumpkin Patch in Clarksburg today. It's this gorgeous old time Halloween fun. I mean, you gotta, giant pumpkin hatch, this old time steam train that takes you pretty far on this little trip there and you can go out and pick pumpkins. They they sometimes have a big giant maze and a cornfield, old tractor equipment, a blacksmith, just, just lots of good fun. We re- really totally dig it. So, um, and it looks to be a beautiful sunshine day and on that happy note, we're going to leave you with an excerpt of one of my favorite songs featuring the sultry song stylings of Marsha Brady. I think I'll take a walk every day. Now the summer sun show me the way.
1: To be happy now, I just can't stay inside all day. I
0: gotta get out, get me some of those rays.
1: Everybody's smiling.
0: Sunshine day. Everybody's laughing. Sunshine
1: day. Everybody seems so happy today.